All right, this is the Nolcast Instant Reaction Podcast. I will start this off by thanking our friends at Homefield Apparel. Homefield uh, makes a fantastic line of clothes that honestly I've been nothing but uh, thrilled with. And I'll look you guys, I'll look you guys right in the eye. I will look this microphone right in the eye and tell you that I would honestly be saying that whether or not they were a supporter of the Nolcast or not. Uh, they make great vintage clothes, kind of modern vintage clothes, and. Uh, I have been thrilled by all five of the pieces of paraphernalia that I have gotten from them. So, yeah, that's a really tough game to look back on. And uh, I don't know if it's quite as disappointing as the Louisville game, but it is up there. And up there for some different reasons. Uh, I'll jump right into this and say that this instant reaction will be somewhat different than that of what we have done so far. Because I think the coaching staff has some real questions to answer in this game whereas previously I've been hesitant and that doesn't mean I'm not saying that Mike Norvell is not the man for the job trust me Mike Norvell is going to be in the job for a very long time so it does nobody any good uh, to come to such conclusions at this point and people make mistakes people make mistakes as they uh, mature as professionals as they get more comfortable in their jobs and I think that Mike when he wakes up tomorrow morning will um look himself in the mirror and admit that that was not his best showing. Uh, normally, we try to hit record as, as soon as the, uh, more or less as soon as the game ends. I did wait a little bit longer tonight because I wanted to actually watch the press conference. Yeah, okay, so let's just look at each side of the ball real quickly and then kind of let the conversation naturally take us to a few of the points that I want to hit on, but to... It's a real fragile team, certainly, uh, as far as a psychology standpoint. And it reminds me, uh, as somebody who used to wrestle a lot, it reminds me of a guy who, who might get an opponent on his back in the first period, and you knew if you didn't get him pinned that that guy was going to come back and beat the hell out of the other guy. And that seems to be kind of Florida State's nature right now. You get up, uh, we are... We certainly can can draw up a script, that's for sure, on the offense. Florida State has a real nice drive. Um, it is very creative in some of the things that they do. Uh, creative at times when talking about offensive philosophy, can you be a euphemism for kind of smoke and mirrors? And that I know that there's a thought process of, oh, we'll just run the script again or keep it stick to the script. Yeah, that doesn't really work. You know, part of the script is you doing some things that maybe you haven't shown before, uh, putting some tendencies out there, or perhaps more importantly, breaking some tendencies uh, that you've otherwise shown. I, I am very hesitant to belittle people's opinion, but there is a little bit more nuance to things uh, than just say, hey, start the script over and, you know, it, it ain't a... It ain't a CD player that you can just fast or, uh, you know, click back and start back at track one and, and let things go again. So uh, you get the, the nice first scripted series, and then you get a, uh, I believe that's a third down play there, where you get uh, Travis isolated with a, a kid who kind of grew as the game went on, but at the time he shakes Hill in the open field, takes it, what, 86 yards, and the longest running play for Florida State quarterback. In program history, you're up 14 to three. Things are looking pretty good. Uh, the defense gets a three and out, a three and out that at one point looked like you could have a uh, scoop and score, and you kind of felt like at that point you were off and running. And from that point moving forward, you were outscored 38 to three. Travis makes an interception that there certainly appeared to be a miscommunication. To me, that 
looks like the wide receiver may bear some fault there, but ultimately you're going to have to be somebody on the staff and know exactly uh, what that route called for and, you know, when he was supposed to uh, to break it off or, or I don't know if he was incorrectly turning to the outside there. It was just an ugly situation. And from that moment on, you you know, you knew that Florida State was going to be in a game. I think it's three plays later uh, that a game that was 14-3 to and you look like you may be um, – putting a team or facing a team that's kind of on the ropes while they score either three or four plays later it's 14 to 10 and a game we have so at the same time I can sit here and say you know that it's it's a little bit of a simplistic want to just tell Florida State hey why don't you run the script again I do think it's a legitimate question as to where some of the short passing and screen game went. I mean, that was something uh, that we talked about going into the week, so I'm I'm not a real big second-guesser, but if it's something that we talked about going into a game with the defensive line uh, that that team has and the tendency that they have to make your day an absolute an absolute hellstorm if you're not uh, you're not ready for it, that I was shocked that Florida State more or less went away from the screen game until uh, until into the third quarter. I think that, uh, you know, Jordan Travis is a spectacular athlete as, uh, as displayed on that run and displayed on some of the things that he does. But he's, you know, we all know that he's got work to do as a quarterback and he may grow as a thrower. You certainly hope so. Uh, but he also has, you know, decisions that are made by a guy that's indicative of somebody that hadn't played a whole lot of quarterback, at least in game settings. There's a... Uh, there's times where you desperately want him to get rid of the ball, and, and by wanting him to get rid of the ball, I mean the expectation there is that he get rid of the ball. And there's some times where he tries to get rid of it where you're like, ooh, that's a, you know, if you get the wrong crew and you do that, that's going to be just a fumble or something like that. So there's, you know, there's some in-game decisions that uh, you hope that Travis kind of grows with in the position and, and kind of the intangibles associated with the position uh, pair with the time that's played. And maybe this is irresponsible of me to say, because we don't know exactly what his injury is at this point. But injuries are going to be part of the story with Jordan Travis, too. I think we have enough of a track record to say that, and it's going to be a concern. You know, you may have to develop uh, an idea that, you know, you either have some kind of set rotation or you use Travis within a rotation. I just don't think that you can roll him out there and then be shot when you lose him from an injury you know that is very much part of the uh you know the Jordan Travis roadmap at this point and I'm not calling the kid soft he's he's a tough guy but some people are susceptible to injuries and uh we'll have to try to get a better idea as to what that exactly was I couldn't tell if it was a concussion thing uh based off the sideline there were a couple times where he came up uh a little a little lame and I almost wondered if he didn't tweak something in the celebration of the first touchdown or the second touchdown uh but that's me just being speculative after uh watching the game uh the offensive line is is what this offensive line when it's put in predictable situations playing against an elite unit and you loses its best player in the first quarter i mean i don't I, i've and i know that referencing oh what i saw on social social media is kind of a a straw man argument and a, a lazy way to uh base commentary but you can't be surprised when that's what happened. I mean, the the guy, we spent as much time 
lauding praise to that unit and some of the individuals associated with it for a reason. And that's a unit that uh, that we said before the year. All things being equal, Florida State's going to have a hell of a hard time playing against Pitt because they simply won't be able to block them. And with the idea that their defensive line was healthy and uh, kind of woke up as the game went along, and when you pair that with the fact that a quarterback that when Bud and I recorded on Wednesday evening, honestly, there was there was not a real legitimate thought that he was going to be the quarterback and he was going to be able to return. And he does, and that's a you know what a what might have been a beatable pit team walked into Doak Campbell Stadium as a pit team that you were going to have to give a hell of an effort to be competitive and a and a real consistent effort to have any chance of beating. And Florida State just didn't have that, so. Uh, I, I like I said, critical of the screen game. I don't uh, have any claims that I know everything that Florida State's going to do. I don't know fifteen percent of what Florida State's going to do, but I, I did have a f- fairly high degree of confidence that they were going to try to get Toa Philly involved in some of the passing game, and I think you saw elements of that, but you were never ever really able to uh, get him going. And um, you know, once the wheels started to go off, and what Pitt was able to put you in more predictable situations the offense was dead I think uh, again this is not a podcast where we spend a whole lot of time talking about total yards but I think when you look at the second half stats Florida State gained something like 44 46 total yards something like that just an absolute pathetic showing another question that I have of the coaching staff is I don't understand why James Blackman's in that game. And I don't just understand why James Blackman's in that game. But if you're going to put James Blackman in that game, which I would first guess, not second, it's not really fair to take the kid out after one play either. I mean, that is a, that's a way you can... That's, a, that's not the way that you win a locker room. You don't, put, you don't yank a kid in and out of the game like that. If he's on that short of a leash, you don't put him in. You know, Mike Norvell knows a hundred times more about football than I do. I'm not sitting here trying to uh, to suggest otherwise. But tonight, this afternoon, there were some questions that I think uh, that need to be answered to Mike. And it was a, a disappointing showing from the sideline, as well as some of the effort given by the players. Final thing where I'm frustrated with uh, Florida State from a coaching perspective, uh, this wide receiver unit is not nearly as bad as it was against Louisville because that's good because that was a historically bad performance. But you have drops. You have a horrible effort from Young on a little wide receiver quick screen. You have uh, Douglas drop a ball that is a 35-yard gain. And look, this offense doesn't have a whole lot of 35-yard gains in it. You can't drop passes when you're, when you're in the open field and they're uncontested and you're playing wide receiver at Florida State. Unit simply has to be better. Pookie Wilson has a fumble that fortunately just flies out of bounds. Um, I know it's real easy to, to gang up on a unit to kind of have this narrative start, but, man, the wide receiver unit has got to start playing better. It is uh, unacceptable as to what you're getting out of them. We'll transition over to uh, to the defensive side of the ball. And as I do that, I'll thank our other sponsors, Louisiana Hot Sauce, title sponsor of the Nolcast, 
Madison Social and the good people at For the Table Restaurant Group and uh, our team at Congruity. Good people and uh, only but a massive asset to our business and to yours. Congruity is experiencing your business optimized. So honestly, guys, uh, I will need to go back and look at this, but there were some things on the defensive side of the ball that I liked. And I know that's not a great thing to say after you just lost 41-7, to uh, but this would have been a damn blowout if it weren't for the defense and if it weren't for some of the situational uh, performances that you got out of the defense. And I am not trying to blow smoke up your rear end. I'm not trying to uh, do anything other than, than give credit to a unit that at times performed much better than, uh, than maybe I would have expected had I known Pickett was going to be the quarterback. Uh, they get a, a good stop for you at the end of the first half, which kind of helps it to stay a competitive game. Uh, they have a goal line stand, and I'm not trying to weave this as some moral victory. No, no, no. But they get a good goal line stand to force a, force a field goal. They were constantly put in horrible positions, whether it be coaching decisions on fourth down, whether it be uh, turnovers. I thought all things considered the defense played okay. Uh, there are times where I'm very critical of Janarius Robinson, but I also see some nice moments of improvement for him. Um, Emmett Rice gives good effort, not always where you want him to be, but does give good effort. I thought 33 had a, uh, a nice solid gain. It was good to see Gaynor get back in the mix. And uh, Fabian Lovett, that's the best I've seen him play since he put on a Garnet jersey. That was a nice step forward for that kid. And if that's... Uh, you know, what you're going to get from the transfer out of Mississippi State or any kind of modicum of, of that level of play moving forward, then that's a, that's a good development. And this defense, we could talk about missing Dante Love-Taylor, and that is a legitimate loss along the offensive line. I think the more games that I see this defense without Renardo Green, please, please bring me Renardo Green back. I mean, desperately. Uh, this defense needs him at the back of the, the defense. Travis Jay not being able to play. Jay is, uh, you know, doesn't fully know what he's doing out there, but he's still a level of athlete that we don't necessarily have scattered throughout the field right now. Uh, would be at linebacker. Will be interesting to see how that plays out. I uh, had come to kind of the conclusion that him playing in the secondary was not a legitimate answer, and him playing at linebacker. Um, if nothing else is, is, you know, situationally going to limit uh, the amount of snaps that he has. And I, I certainly wish him the best in that adjustment. And I do think that if he has a football future, it is playing at linebacker and, and not playing in the secondary. Um, kind of disconjointed, but one other, I don't know if this is a, a criticism of coaching. <laughs> or maybe I should just tip my hat to a kid. But, uh... You know, the term practice All-American, I think, can mean two different things. It can mean a kid who um, plays exceptionally well at practice and then that level of play doesn't transfer over to a game for whatever reason. Uh, a different meaning to that word can be a guy who, you know, kind of knows the play, whether whether he legitimately, like, hears it in practice and so that he cheats or just that he's, if he's so familiar with his you know, teams personnel and, and formations. And, you know, you can look at little things and see what the offensive line sp uh, splits are. Or, you know, you can find your own tells and your own offense more times than not if you're a 
slightly intelligent defensive player in, in a practice situation. I only give you this long-winded kind of runabout about practice All-Americans because, dog, it looked like Hamlin for Pitt was literally a Florida State player who somehow put a Pitt jersey on and went out there. I mean, that guy, it, it literally looked like he had a, a, an earpiece in at times. It was, uh, you know, either we have some tells in our offense uh, with how we line up. Maybe it was just, mis, you know, good fortune for them, misfortune for Florida State. And there were some, uh, you know, situations that he kind of dropped into. But, uh, yeah, that's that stood out. I, I don't know that I've seen one individual have a read on plays almost before the ball snapped uh, at that type of level in a while. So, uh, just a random note that I will add in there. So, you know, um, we talked about the Blackman decision. Purdy came in. Purdy, okay. Certainly gives some nice effort. Has a throwing uh, mechanic that is what it is. I think Bud and I are in agreement on that, that it's real hard to modify somebody's throw mechanic. What I would like to see is, uh, I think he's got a high school habit, a bad habit of kind of reverting uh, to just relying on arm strength, which is probably elite at the high school level, certainly not at the college level, and uh, kind of kind of falls away after all of his throws. Needs to step more into those, be a little bit more decisive. Uh, but Purdy's got an awful lot of time, and not trying to be overly critical of a kid. Uh, it will be fascinating to see the number of snaps that he gets moving forward. I don't, you know, this this game and the loss of Love Taylor is, is certainly a reminder as to what's at the offensive line. I don't know if ultimately you have to be a running quarterback in Mike Norvell's offense or that you have to be an you know an above average to good running quarterback in Mike Norvell's offense. But you kind of do in this offense, with this offensive line, you, you kind of have to have that ability uh, to mask some of the flaws uh, that we see. So I certainly don't think you'll see too many more snaps from one. I mentioned that I listened to the uh, press conference. Mike Norvell mentioned something about trying to get a spark from James Blackman <laughs> by putting him in there. I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, that's I got to question that. That's uh, that certainly is not what occurred. And I think in general, you know, playing James Blackman, it's hard to say this without sounding without, you know, sounding like you're trying to be exceptionally critical of a, of a college kid. But James Blackman is just like a a wet towel being thrown on on the fire of any kind of uh, excitement, level of confidence energy on a team it's just not the play at this point and uh certainly wish James the best and you know he's a great teammate he's a great teammate I don't know that he's somebody that needs to be taking snaps at Florida State moving forward so um our goal was for the wide receivers to catch the ball and for Pitt uh, or for Florida State to have more explosive plays than Pitt uh, I don't think Florida State had more explosive plays than Pitt. Let me double check that. Well, regardless, I mean, there's a, there's explosive plays, and then there's some of the simple plays that end up winning any games. And Florida State didn't make any of those, and that is a a really frustrating Saturday afternoon to watch. And you know, they're real. 
the real reality hits that, you know, the, I know there was a lot of talk after North Carolina that I, you might win six games or something like that. This is going to be a tough season, man. This is going to be a tough season. You're not going to flirt with 500. You're not going to, you know, obviously the limitations on a bowl game are different this year, but you're not going to play out the back half of your season with the aspirations of trying to get eligible for a bowl game or that there's any kind of, uh, you know, great uh, rebound to be had here. Uh, NC State's going to be a tough game. Every game on the schedule is going to be a tough game at this point for this team, this locker room. Uh, it's but another sobering reminder as to the scale of the project in front of you. And this one's a little bit of a tougher hit because for the first time ever, uh, doesn't mean that you lose confidence in the coaches, doesn't mean that you start, uh, you know, speculating that you're going to fire the defensive coordinator or anything else. But for the first time, I think you can have real legitimate questions of the coaches and uh, and know that they did, you know, they were a, a detriment to the cause this afternoon. And that's a, that's a tough thing to have to uh, kind of come to the conclusion of for the first time. So, as always, thank you to you, the listeners. I know these aren't necessarily fun times to listen to a whole lot of Florida State media. Uh, we'll try to be as honest with you as possible. It's a disappointing uh, day as a uh, Florida State fan, as you can probably hear in my voice. But uh, nonetheless, you know, I know people don't want to hear this, but uh, it is nice that we were able to watch a game of college football for a period of time that we weren't sure that we'd otherwise have it available. So uh, I'll try to find the positive in this, continue to uh, try to find, you know, the, some of the pieces out there in the recruiting trail that might play a role in the turnaround that uh, is going to have to happen at Florida State. And uh, we will be back on Monday night to record a full review of this game after uh, giving it another watch or two, as painful as that might be. And if you have the opportunity to give us a five-star review on iTunes or any of the podcast platforms that we might appear, it would be greatly appreciated. So with that, go Knowles. We'll be back with you Tuesday morning. We will be back with you Tuesday morning, but not before we thank our good friends at legendary home loans that is a big swing and a miss uh by me and after i think bud called him a different company <laughs> last week i love you bud but i gotta throw you under the bus for that uh no they are uh, fantastic partners for us the results speak for themselves and uh, we always want to tip our hat to uh chad and shannon and uh great team and uh, we thank them for all they do for the null cast <laughs>